I'm Brandon Carey. I'm Jason Grady. This is the Medic Class Citizen Podcast. everyone. It's an honor and a privilege to have a fine specimen in the studio with us today, none other than Dr. George Ordway. Welcome to the studio, George. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm not sure about the fine specimen aspect, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, you're a specimen. I'm a specimen. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for coming in today, George. Um, we, uh, we're, we're very lucky to have you, and uh, we just wanted to discuss a few things with you. So, Appreciate you taking the time to come in. Glad to do it. Yeah, so George and I have uh, have been working together uh, for quite a while. However, this is not uh, this is not your first stint. Stint. Too many stints. No, wow. stints. Not, uh, wow. I, I I don't have any stints. You don't have any stints. I've had a lot of stints. But this is not the sure. first. Uh, this is not the first job you've had um, in cardiology. So no. Tell us. Uh, tell us your background. Where'd you Where'd you go to school, and where did your educational career take you? Yeah. Well, I was uh, telling Brandon earlier that I, I um, got my undergraduate degree from a small college in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Muhlenberg College. Hey, are you from Pennsylvania? Where are you no, from? No, I'm from uh, Long Island. I'm a real Yankee. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. Are you a Yankees yeah. fan? Uh, I was when I was a kid. Bless you. Uh, but, no, but you uh, matured. Good. I have matured. and Good. Um, Yeah. Um, so I uh, grew up on Long Island, uh, went to uh, Muhlenberg College. When I graduated, um, the career plans that I had laid out uh, didn't come to fruition for a number of reasons. And so I wound up working as a marketing rep uh, for initially for Black & Decker in their construction division, uh, and then uh, for IBM. Uh, my territory with IBM was the South Bronx. Uh, which sounds, uh, you know, kind of funny. You know, why would you be selling computers in the South Bronx? But in fact, there were a lot of businesses there that uh, needed some data uh, processing equipment. Anyway, I, I, I left uh, IBM um, and uh, returned to school, went to the University of Kentucky. My wife's father was uh, coaching football there. And I went with the intent to become a high school physical education teacher and football coach and um, didn't get to do either of those uh, because I, one of the first courses I had to take was in exercise physiology and just developed a, a real interest in physiology. And so did get a master's degree in physical education and then my PhD in physiology. Wow. Um, and then went to uh, Dallas, Texas to Southwestern Medical School as a postdoc uh, working with a, a guy named Jerry Mitchell. And uh, then was on the faculty in physiology there for uh, about 25 years. Wow. Uh, and then uh, retired and went to physician assistant school. Um, as one does when they as, retire. As we, when, when you retire, you, you, you know, just seek out another career. So you are technically retired. Uh, technically, yes. Uh, um, uh, multiple times, actually, <laughs> um, have retired. Couldn't uh, tell. Uh, no, uh, I just I just felt like at some point in, in one of my careers, uh, I would like to be involved in patient care. And so that's why I chose uh, to go to PA school. And then when we finished that, uh, at that time, our kids and grandkids were all living in Peachtree City. And so wound up um, accepting a position with, the at the time, the Northeast Georgia Heart Center uh, as, a, uh, as a PA. And we wound up here in Gainesville. 
So when you were teaching uh, at uh, at University of Texas, you w- w- you taught first year medical students. These were first year medical students, but I also taught allied health students too. Mm. So the the very <laughs> the very uh, uh, student that I became, I was I was teaching them for a while as well. The you know PA students, uh, PT students, and prosthetics and orthotic students were all kind of lumped together. And you were focused on physiology. Focused on physiology and pathophysiology. So teaching, uh, talking about medical students, when you're teaching them first year, um, how in depth do you go? Do you, even with them, do you go? Do you go pretty in depth? You know, obviously, first year medical students may or may not have any kind of medical knowledge, uh, depending on what their undergrad was. Um, in that environment, do you hold back at all, knowing that uh, someone may not have the background, or do you go in? full force and, and, and just teach them everything that they need to know? Well, from a science standpoint, you try to go into as much depth as you possibly can. I mean, there are there, there's simply time limitations and other factors uh, that do limit you to some degree. But you have to um, give them as much of the, of the basic science to help them understand what it is they're going to be seeing in the, in, in the way of diseases and in the way of treating those diseases. And you have to understand the physiology in order to to know what it's like when it goes right mm. to then understand pathology when it goes wrong. And so you, you do have to provide yeah. some in-depth coverage for that. Now, I will say there, there is a difference. There was a difference in terms of the depth that you would go into with the allied health students uh, rather than the medical students. It was just a little bit less detail. And that was primarily not not because of their intelligence or anything like that. It was just a limitation in terms of the time that you had to spend with them to try to teach them what they needed to know. So on the allied health side, which type of allied health? Are these uh, nursing students or PA students? These, were, the... The, yeah, these were PA students, uh, physical therapy students, and prosthetics and orthotics students. Okay. How important is that education, that initial education, to developing the groundwork for what they're going to need later, I think it's in, uh, incredibly important. And I, 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 not that I, because I went in through the PA program, but in in some respects, the, the you need to. It's a little critically more important, I think, for the PA students than for say the PT students, and for those, it's more important than perhaps prosthetics and orthotics. Uh, having said that, though, and and now having had experience teaching PT students at the at the North Georgia, um, is that with the changes in medicine that have occurred, a point I try to make to the PT students is that you know you may be that person's primary care provider in many respects. You know, you're the one who has the time to kind of sit there and listen and sort through all of the problems that they have and kind of get to the, you know, the nub of what's really their, what's their issue and not just their, their rehabilitation for whatever they, whatever problem they're seeing them for. Yeah. And I hate to jump too far ahead, but I know whenever, whenever you've come and you've taught our paramedicine students here, you've shared very similar aspects whenever you talk about the importance of prevention and actually educating our patients from the pre-hospital perspective. Right, right. And I think I think uh, paramedics, ha- uh, like the PT students, have a unique opportunity to address 
things other than what they're seeing the patient for at that particular time, whatever their emergency happens to be, but just surveying their environment, surveying their uh, their family, uh, and and just understanding what's going on in their life, that they can provide even you know provide a more holistic approach to uh, to taking care of them. Yeah, I think those are opportunities that are going only going to increase with the implementation of things such as community paramedicine. I think whenever we start to see those days as as a much more commonplace type of EMS provision, I think that we'll have even more opportunity for that. Right, right. And there was a situation in, I believe it was in California, where um, they there was a, an attempt to set up uh, at a fire station, w- utilizing paramedics as the um, primary care providers in the community for people who didn't have uh, insurance or the financial wherewithal to go to see a private practice physician. And regretfully, the, that kind of came to a halt because the uh, nursing association in the state uh, didn't like that situation, and they basically put a stop to it. But I think that to me, that made a lot of sense. It was a good opportunity for to have a community health center uh, that is easily accessible to folks and um, and free. So let me go. Let me go back to uh, to the education side. In your twenty five years, is that mm-hmm. at the medical school? Right. In those twenty five years, and I know you did some research um, prior to to teaching and then while you were teaching and I know you've um, and people can, can look you up. You're very well published. What what are some things that uh, not necessarily changed over the years, but some understanding or some new things uh, that came to light in your tenure um, either while you were there or since um, that's been um, either has changed things or changed our understanding of things. Uh, the thing that that struck me that had changed over time uh, while I was there were um, were really the demographics of the classes. That when I first started, that the uh, the majority of the students were uh, male, in both medical school and in the allied health classes, and that changed rather dramatically during the course of that 25 years, so that uh, at the end of the 25 years, now the medical school class and the allied health school classes were, you know, 50-50, 50% men, 50% uh, women. Um, the other thing that I saw, uh, especially in the allied health uh, side, was that, um, and particularly within that for the PA students, was that when I first started, so many of them were coming as um, second careers. A, a lot of them had been corpsmen in the service, uh, uh, had been dentists, had been pharmacists, and now we're seeking this other opportunity. Uh, and uh, towards the end, it was pretty much right out of college, starting a PA school or PT school. So I, I, that, that was a change uh, for me as well. What did you see the the investment? Why why is a place like UT Southwestern? Why why is it that important? Why is it important to go to an academic center that has not just academic prowess of um, professors but research? Um, you know, what if someone were to say, why would I go to UT Southwestern rather than somewhere else? 
why is an academic center like that so important? Yeah, that's a that's a uh, excellent question, and I think it it it's just the um, the overall environment uh, fosters excellence, and that's not only for you know I'm I, not only the fact that we had five Nobel laureates there. I mean, we had the, we had the Nobel laureate basketball team. We had them there at Southwestern. <laughs> if Nobel laureates, yeah. Now, now Mike Brown, he can't dunk or anything <laughs> like that, but but they were there, and so I think that that just that environment of uh, uh, excellence in research, excellence in teaching, uh, that that fosters a desire and, and to for all students, whether they're medical students, graduate students, allied health students to do the best that they can and to try to keep up with the kinds of research uh, that's going on at a place like that so that they're well-informed when they go out and start practicing. Yeah, and that's important. So I think there's a lot of, you know, if we take this to not, not only that from that level, but to the paramedic, EMT, nursing, what, what about someone says, you know, that, that information you provided, that information can be found on the internet. That, inf you know, you know, maybe not, you know, when you were teaching there, the internet yeah. wasn't, um, you know, that wasn't the online stuff. But what do you say to someone who would say, well, that's just information that I could find anywhere. Yeah. What difference does it make coming from a place like where you were at, when I could have just found that information anywhere? Yeah, it's, it's not just uh, information that, I don't think that is unique to Southwestern. I feel strongly that that um, education is a face-to-face -face kind of uh, endeavor, and would get um, you would see students who would would just never go to class, and I never understood that because. You're going to be a physician. Isn't that something where you're going to be involved in taking care of people and interacting with people? Uh, and you you don't if if you're just doing stuff online, you don't have that interaction. You don't have that uh, interesting point. You know, the, the you know the sense that you that you would want to develop in terms of taking care of patients, whether you know you're a physician or a PA or a physical therapist. Um, so I think that there's there's something to be said for face-to-face -face teaching rather than online. And I was offered an opportunity to do an online course at UNG, and I I declined. I said no, I'll 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 teach it, you know, in the old-fashioned classroom way, um, because you can tell when you're seeing the students whether they're getting it or not getting it, and I think that's important. And you may may not be able to to gauge that or put a finger on the pulse, so to speak of the retention without that. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. What about, and, and kind of to, to add on to Jason's point, how valuable is it in your experience to have individuals be able to experience clinical at a, at a facility that is involved in research? Do you think that that's a valuable experience, not only from, from medical students, but again, on down to EMT paramedic nursing students? I mean, do you think that that's a, do you think that there is anything to gain from that versus going to a facility just to get hours, just to get patient contact? Is there a, a value of being attached to a research facility? I think that there is. Uh, by virtue of, the, of being at a, at a facility like that, where there is some research that is actually required on the part of the people who are doing the instructing, 
I think that that uh, bodes well for the students who are learning from those people. That they 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 have to keep up. They and they have and and they're they're uh, making the point too to the students that. You know, when you graduate, that's not it. That's not the end of it. Absolutely. Uh, I I had a poster that I used uh, had in my office. Uh, it it was a an old Nike poster, and I I cut the bottom off of it so it didn't say Nike. Um, not for <laughs> since any, you're not sponsored, not for any particular reason. That's right. They weren't paying. They well, weren't sponsored by Adidas at the time. They weren't paying my way, and Which I was I was wearing Asics shoes. So. <laughs> um, uh, and it, and you see it, George it, rocking some Jordans, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get on the Nobel laureate basketball team. That's yeah, right. that's right. Air George. So, um, uh, anyway, it showed that this picture taken obviously out in Oregon. It wasn't taken in Plano, Texas. I'll tell you that it was taken out in uh, somewhere in Oregon. You know, green, lush, and so forth. And this guy's out running. And at the bottom, it says there is no finish line. And uh, that's true for training. Uh, and it's true for education. There is no finish line. And, and I've, I've given talks to graduating classes, and, I, and I've used that as an example. You know, you're just ne- you're just now starting. You're you're just now beginning. And and it's not just you know what you're going to learn on the job, but it's also the continuing education that uh, is going to be required of you. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. So I I know from your your previous, you know, being at, at UT or or being a PA, um, you're somewhat new to the EMS system and the system of care. And, um, you know, we're going to we're going to talk later about what you've done with with CPR. But of course, now you you have a lot of interaction with paramedics and you have a lot of understanding of EMS being involved with the STEMI summits and, and whatnot. Where mm-hmm. have you seen where a competent paramedic can make an impact and um, on the the overall patient care from from the beginning and then on the flip side where can you where have you seen potentially where a paramedic who may not be as competent and and by competent i don't necessarily mean skills wise but knowledge critical thinking where, where have you seen the the benefit to that um or the detriment yeah that um i've seen uh, to be honest, I've seen more benefit than than examples of detriment, uh, and I think that speaks to the education that the uh, EMS and paramedics are getting are getting here. Just the, the you know the overall professionalism that you see among EMS personnel, paramedics included, is at a high point that I think comes down to. Everybody having that attitude. But do you, you think will. that's individual characteristics of those paramedics, or is it a culture from education? I'm not trying to lead you into that answer, but it, no, it, it 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 it's probably a combination of the two. I mean, I mean, I think you can provide the the highest quality education in the world, and if you have some dolt who you know is just there only to get hours, and I'm going to you know kind of you know slough my way through here and 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 get mm. out that's probably not going to change but you can i think take someone who is um a little unsure of themselves uh not quite so uh, um i'll say forward thinking and through a, a quality education program like like is here you can develop them into really good EMTs, paramedics, uh, who can do a lot more than what they thought they could do when they first started in the program. Hmm. 
And again, I think that 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 intimate connection between the program and being involved with research and being involved with keeping up with evidence-based practice, I think that just from my personal standpoint, I think that that's you know, that's a, there's a correlation there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but going back to uh, the research side, you know, I know a lot of people think, uh, you know, all research is black and white. It's, it's all binary. It's either this was, this was right. And this was either it's right or it's wrong. Right. When instead, of course, that's not, I mean, this is why we have discussions and debates and you should be able to be able, you should be able to support the things that you do knowing that there may be dissension there. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'll give you a, I'll give you a textbook example. Um, when we were teaching uh, medical physiology, the students really liked the textbook by Guyton because Arthur was a brilliant guy, and it was black and white. You know, there was no, there were no, not a lot of gray areas in in his in his textbook, and they liked that. We, on the other hand, would select one that was chock full of gray areas, and it used to drive the students crazy. But we thought it was better for them to see those and understand that it's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray that you're going to encounter out there. And to be able to sift through things so that you can make a decision rather than you know just taking verbatim something that was published and understand how to read something and and, and make a decision on your own that's the you know what is the right thing so you just hit something that I want to ask you about from a from a perspective of a professor in physiology how what is your responsibility as the professor as the person who is delivering the curriculum and delivering the information what are your responsibilities in reference to like you just said selecting the didactic material you, you are selecting the textbook selecting you know, what What are your responsibilities in maintaining that quality? And how do you think that EMS educators can learn from from your experience? You have to um, you have to know your audience uh, above above all. Understand who you're talking to. Understand uh, what it is that you want them to have at the end of the day, at the end of the course. What is it that they need to know? What is it that they need to know going forward? Now that you've completed medical physiology, what do, you, what do they have to know about pharmacology and pathology and, and, and other, other courses? So to understand your audience, understand what it is that they need to know to go forward, and that allows you to now um, kind of winnow through all of the material that's in the textbook and just you know, focus on those things that you think as a professional and, and with, you know, experience uh, and the experience of others to, that you would work with to pick those things that are most important and really focus on those so that they have a real good understanding of, of, of those topics. So let me ask you one last question as we wrap up. How does someone, you say there's no finish line, how does someone um, self-motivate or how do they l learn to become a lifelong learner? Oh, that's 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 a really good question, and 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 it's it, for some people it's hard, and it can be especially hard, I think, in fields like medicine, like par for paramedics, for EMTs, where there is there's a high level of stress. 
There's a high level of um, burnout, if you will, that that often will deter people from making that little extra effort to try to learn something else. You know, you know, you have you've had a really stressful day. You know, the last thing you want when you go home is to, you know, have to sit down with a you know, a continuing education test that you've got to complete to to move forward. Um, so I, I think it's it it's it's challenging. There's no question about it. Uh, and I can I can <laughs> speak from personal experience in terms of trying to maintain my continuing uh, continuing education. So um, yeah, because PA PA con ed is is no joke. Right, right, <laughs> and so. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's challenging on an individual le- uh, level, for sure. So I think that the listeners can take away one, one major point, uh, especially if the listener is an EMS educator, that higher quality education does, in, in fact, directly impact quality patient care. Oh, outcomes. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think nothing else, just like, uh, like George said, it's creating it's creating that culture. It's not just, do I know what's right or wrong for this patient at this time? It's the, I want to know more about how to, how to treat that, that next patient. I think that's the, if we always put that, put that patient first or the next patient that's going to come in, they, you know, one of the ER docs that we work with says, I do, I cannot go home until I've learned something. Mm. Every single shift, I have to learn something. That's good. If I haven't learned it, I cannot go home. That's good. Right. If you just take it in little chunks like that, you know, you're right. You sit down and try to do an entire CEU thing. um, It's just overwhelming. Right. All right. There was a little little textbook that I uh, um, read, um, not a, quite a while back now it's called the courage to teach and it talked about what it takes to uh, you know what to what to you have to do to be a good to be a good teacher and th- that part about the courage to teach is such that you have to be willing to kind of lay yourself open to the students and let them know who you are let them know that what you're really interested in is is them and that you're willing you have the courage to not know something and you're gonna you're gonna get questions <laughs> that you, you know you have no idea what the answer is but Every you go day. you find out mm. and you come back and you you tell them mm. you know the next time you meet and so that they now recognize yeah that's you know if, and that follows if, if he or she important. can do that if he or she can do that then i should be able to do that as yeah. well I come yeah. across something i don't know i can go i know where to find out to you know where to look it up yeah i heard someone say that recently i don't have to know everything i just have to know where to find it that's, that's yep. exactly right awesome well george thank you so much i can't tell you how how appreciative i am for this thank you for your time today and hopefully you'll come back you, you think you may be able to come back and see us sometime it's questionable okay. Brandon. uh no i'd be happy to <laughs> i know i'm a red sox fan but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> small words yeah <laughs> all right thanks again my pleasure you've been listening to medic class citizen if you like what you heard check out our website at www.medicclasscitizen.com also find us on social media where you can follow like subscribe and share twitter instagram facebook and we also have videos on youtube thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time